listening to a Give Me Five podcast special edition, James and Jamesy, featuring Aaron Malkin and Alastair Knowles. So it is my honor to welcome to the show Mr. Alistair Knowles and Mr. Aaron Malkin from the theater group James and Jamesy. Is that an accurate description? So far, so good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's us. Well, guys, thank you so much. Welcome. Yeah, totally. Thanks for having us. Not sure that that was so much description and a fax. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll get into uh, what exactly is James and Jamesy, and I think that's going to be my first question. Can you tell our listeners out there who might not be familiar with you guys at all, who are you? What do uh, you do? Well, we do, we do theater, comedy theater primarily, and I play these two characters in a variety of settings, James and Jamesy, who uh, represent two sort of sides of the of the focus spectrum. So, uh, Jamesy focuses, uh, Jamesy's focus is very insular and very, uh, meticulous and in the minutia of, of experiences. And James, on the other hand, has takes a wide view of, of life. And in a theatrical setting has a very, uh, present relationship with the audience and familiar with the, <laughs> with that we are on a stage, we are performing a show. This is all, this is all fun and theatrical. I, to elaborate on that, uh, people have described um, Jamesy as eccentric and James as a gentle giant. And uh, in a couple of our shows, Jamesy isn't aware that the audience in the same room, mm-hmm. but James uh, does have this awareness from the beginning of the show. Uh, so there's a lot of, in these contrasting characters, uh, that's where a lot of the humor uh, stems from. Um and I, I have to say that it is – Greg told me not to fanboy out too hard, and I'm really trying. But I, I have to say that the inclusion of the crowd in your performances is something that I look forward to so much when I come to see when you two are performing together. So I've seen High Tea. I've seen Two for Tea. I've seen In the Dark. And I'm just like, how are they going to do it this time? How- right. <laughs> do I and I you know I've just not gotten there early enough to get picked because I really want to well, be the captain that's <laughs> what we that's kind of what we love about theater in general is that especially as performers you're there and you've got your audience which may be I don't know a couple dozen to up to a thousand people all ready to do your bidding <laughs> So is that is that have you ever had somebody that was like oh yeah uh-uh. yeah no sure. like okay. our show is challenging in that uh on the surface it seems like oh it's all quite fun and games and we're just playing having a silly tea party or whatnot Uh, but the show Mm -hmm. is actually an invitation for the audiences who are predominantly adults to to play to let down their guard to Mm -hmm. uh to step into the roles that we offer them and and join us in this sort of impulsive uh spirit that kind of Reminiscent of childhood. A lot of people who have come on stage with us say, say, wow, like, you know, I haven't played like that since I was, since I was a kid or, you know, I can't wait to go (laughs) and play with my grandkids again because, because there's that sort of sense of elation. (laughs) I know 
Oh, absolutely. With our show, or when, when I see shows now that have audience participation and the audience members come up on stage and do a thing and then go sit back down, I think, oh, oh they, <laughs> that audience member was just just starting to to embrace this, the situation of being on stage. And sure, I, yeah. I love with our shows how audience members are on stage for a, for a long segments, much longer than most people expect. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think one thing that uh, is set before the audience is uh, integrated into the show is uh, people have a trust in James's relationship with um, unlike uh, traditional comedic duos, there isn't a fall person. There isn't like an idiot and a smart one. Um, we're more like just trying to meet each other, trying to figure out what's going on for the other person. There's this mm-hmm. ongoing support and, and kind of love of each other that uh, I think gives the audience uh, a sense of safety so that yes. when they are invited to uh, to offer something to the show or participate in some way, uh, people often find themselves compelled. To- sure. And I, I think with the fringe crowd, um, as you guys touched on it, people are so willing um, to get up there. And, and I know I'm not begging you to pick me next time, but, um, cause that's totally what it sounds like, by the way. Oh, uh, totally. Uh, no, my girlfriend was like, don't do that. <clears throat> yes. He's definitely not wink, wink begging you, but what not, I, not I, at all, not at all. No, something else I wanted to touch on with you guys bringing the audience into your performance, which you guys give so much of yourselves in. I, I feel, and you know, I really, really appreciate that. I think everybody in the audience does. How are you able to roll with and improvise when maybe something happens that you don't expect? Maybe one of the people you've invited on the, the stage does something, you know, as happened in the performance that I saw, or maybe when Aaron about Two years ago, you <laughs> split your pants. Uh, How do you roll with that? I mean, where did you take improv classes or are you just guys that good at it naturally? I'm totally fanboying out. Sorry, Greg. I think there's a, a, a number of layers to what might be interesting to you. <laughs> um, and I would say the first one is that our shows were created largely through improvisation. So we we there's an improvised feel to the show. Like we might take an idea, like uh, I'm arriving at Jamesy's flat, and uh, and we're talking on the telephone, and we might just improvise uh, that scenario with an audience, <laughs> and and look for what's connecting, what's fun for us, uh, and if it works well, we video record most of our shows, and we'll try oh, to repeat okay. it with a new audience. Uh, so we'll we'll try to have things that were created through improvisation happen again, uh, and and be able to repeat that. And ideally, have it feel it's improvised. And so, when an audience member uh, surprises us, for me, that's a gift because mm. it's something that I can genuinely yeah. react to. Uh, there's there's less acting involved for me uh, for keeping that moment, that uh, instance, uh, real and, and very alive. Okay. Did you that's want to awesome. say something else? Um, yeah, I think in terms of the challenge of rolling with things, the more in in play Aaron and I can actually be in. Uh, the easier it is to roll with things. I recall watching my niece in a playground. My niece was maybe six, playing with a group of friends, and and they would switch from game to game to game so quickly. And the games might just be like, "We're all running to this corner," ah, and then now we're all trying to not touch the ground, and we're all climbing on the climbing structure. Woo! There isn't there isn't a whole 
like, okay, let's play a game and let's play. We can't touch the ground. And let's, what are the rules going to be this time? It's more like following the impulses and letting the impulses uh, of whoever's uh, leads that impulse um, guide the mm-hmm. rest of the trajectory for a little bit. So if, if an audience member offers something, whether it's a line or a gesture or, or a character trait, it's mm-hmm. rather than trying to think, how can we incorporate this? If we're warmed up and we're, we're ready to go, it's, it's all we're doing is commenting on what's happening and then joining, joining in, mm-hmm. uh, with our shows that have, we've been doing a long time, we're pretty familiar with the structure of them. So we can, uh, we can deviate a little bit and then get back on. So, so that way we're able to acknowledge and honor these audience impulses or even just happenstance situations like the, the pants tearing. <laughs> That was so and, funny. And, you know, you'll probably be interested to know the, the, that the pants tearing happened by accident once, and then we put it in the show. So it's in the show every time. Okay. Uh, gotcha. But we, if we can, if we can live it in the in the show, like like it's the first time happening for us, then it's we're not faking the surprise and the joy. Uh, we're like, yeah, here we go, pants tear now, bam. We're like, all right, hold it, hold <laughs> yeah. it. Let's just be in the predicament of what the fuck are we? Oh, sorry, I don't know what your language is like. Oh, that's fine. You to- you can totally <laughs> swear. Sorry. We didn't establish that before. Uh, yeah. What's going to happen now? Like, it feels really good to actually be feeling those things. Rather, some people go, how do you remember all your lines or the movements of your body? Like, how do you remember all that? And it's not all memory. It's it's letting the emotional journey of the characters and the plot drive the mm. actions and drive the drive the lines. So, so it's less memory and more actually trying to feel it as it go as we go through the show. Hmm. Interesting. I get that. Uh, you guys have led me into actually two questions. Uh, one of those you mentioned being warmed up and ready to go. How do you get warmed up and ready to go? How do you get psyched up for a performance? For my, sure, sure. Um, it's always, uh, <laughs> we've played all kinds of contexts. So there's the ideal and there's what really happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have 15 minutes to set up the show before the audience is let in, a fringe festival context. And yep. that doesn't leave us much time uh, to warm up. So while we're setting up the show and getting into costume, uh, we're trying to have playful interaction with each other. Uh, whether it, it's going in and out of character or just sharing positive things, uh, at least for my part, um, if we can be laughing with each other uh, while we're getting ready, that's mm. uh, that's the best we can do in the half an hour before the show. Um, outside of that context, uh, if we have more time, we do something called lightening up, um, which you know is kind of like what we're doing, what I just described, but it might look instead... Uh, like lying on the ground and trying to do the diaphragm, trying to actually uh, connect with uh, our emotional bodies by laughing. Um, and oh, like okay. kind of crying, um, it's part of our conditioning. Uh, and it, uh, you know, it, for me, it's kind of a flushing. It's kind of tabula rasa, like give me a, cl- a clear canvas and uh, having at my, at my core a delight, a body of delight, so that I can play my character like a child with a toy. I really had hoped he was going to say amphetamines. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Copious quantities of horse tranquilizers. How do you do it? <laughs> um, something I, I appreciated this time around when Aaron and I were performing in Orlando is 
is that I actually don't see Aaron that much in my day-to-day life. Uh, we used to live in the same house, and then he moved down the block, and then I moved south of the city, and then he moved north of the city. So now we're a few hours away from each other. Um, and we both have kids. And unless we're, we both have kids now. Uh, I've got another one on the way. And Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Um, but But that means that... You know, unless we're in a heavy rehearsal schedule, which we haven't been in for a while, um, our tours is actually, is when we get to see each other. And then not just that, but it's even while we're on tour, like at, in Orlando at the Fringe Festival, I was busy with my family. And, uh, and so being on stage was, it was a real moment of like, hey man, I'm stoked to see you. I'm stoked you're coming yeah. over for tea. I'm, I'm <laughs> happy we get to have the next hour and 15 minutes together to have a best the best time we can possibly have uh and and that that was actually such a nice feeling for me this this last festival um because it was just felt really real uh so <laughs> that's so funny to me that i mean i get it but uh but you're saying that <laughs> it feels so real when i come to to you your living room on a stage as another person for an hour. Well, you know, it's, but it's, but it's, there's an element of truth to that in that, you know, Aaron and I do a lot of administrative work together, which is fun ish and fine. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's the plan necessary. We, we connected over and uh, mm-hmm. has been something that has held our, our friendship together over the many years. Um, so, so yeah, we do enjoy each other's company on stage, and it's and I when I step on the stage with Aaron, I look forward to the moments of impulse that he'll have and that I'll have, and 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 our shows. I'm really proud of the shows that we've made for a number of reasons. Um, one is that I believe in the messages that they're trying to convey. That you know, friendship is uh, a worthwhile pursuit, and that differences in friendship are are to be celebrated rather than uh, building a divide. And also mm-hmm. that with our audiences, we really foster their imagination and invite them in to play with us. Certainly. Which I think is all great. And in the dark, it gets a little bit more uh, philosophical, but mm-hmm. we are, <laughs> we are here together and now, and that is exactly what is happening at this moment. And, and, it's, it's a real celebration of being in the present moment. And I believe in that too. That's I remember, amazing. Yeah. Our first year touring. When uh, was that? Uh, 2013. Okay. We were backstage and we were just finishing our show and the next show was starting and backstage, the two performers were just yelling at each other, oh, yeah. like, at each other swearing, getting so angry. And Aaron and I are like, what fuck is going on with them? Like oh. and we realized afterwards that, they were just getting into character for their show. Oh. Their show was this really angry show between these two characters. And I thought, wow, oh. I'm going to be doing a show for the next 10 years with somebody. I'm so glad that what we are doing on stage is brings me joy and that in the, in the pre-show, we get to laugh together and play together. Yeah, it's not you – know, doesn't sound like something from what I've experienced that will – force you into an early grave <laughs> yeah making yourself angry though yeah. you know for the art 
yeah i mean there may i didn't see their show and there may have been an, <laughs> uh, a cause i could get behind but i just thought as a performer you know i think of people doing method acting or it's impossible for the shows you perform not to affect your life uh, sure I think about you know characters like heath ledger playing the joker and kind of going right and you know committing suicide shortly thereafter and how tragic that is and and reflecting like yeah you were the character you're playing was having a rough time in life. Uh, yeah. and and i was yeah I'm, i really like being jamesy <laughs> i can tell um now one of the other questions i had about the physicality of the performance alistair where the hell do you get that balance from oh because yeah. sign me up for that program <laughs> it's kind of like the school of james and jamesy okay uh, I did a lot of movement training before, but none of it was like official ballet. I did two ballet classes. Okay. When I say two, I don't mean two seasons of ballet classes. I mean two classes. Just two. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> two classes. <laughs> um, and people say, oh, you must do yoga. You must do ballet. Well, no, I don't. I don't really like either of those. But I, but I play this character a shit ton. So mm-hmm. over the last... I don't know, six years, we've done 700 shows. And wow. If you think we're doing a hundred plus shows a year and each show is an hour and 15 minutes plus all the rehearsals, um, that's a, that's a fair amount of time yeah. <laughs> uh, with mm-hmm. my legs pointed out straight and my butt swiveling. So <laughs> from looking at it from the, like, I've seen every show, uh, <laughs> there's a minute. Um, I would say, uh, through the two, there's kind of two seasons that we tour in annually. Uh, mm-hmm. Like there's kind of uh, May to September, and also uh, in the winter. And uh, with each season, I see his balance uh, improve through the tour. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and then time off. I, like to me in Orlando, you looked like really shaky. But of course, to uh, to Jimmy, <laughs> he was like, "Where did you get that balance?" So yeah, yeah. it's all relative, I suppose. Um, yeah, it does feel really good when I'm on, and I find the the more the more stable I become, the more uh, risk I can take with, with my movements, the more risks I can take. So I can, uh, I think I try new things and extend different ways. And so that, so that I do grow as a mover over the course of each season of touring. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Um, now you guys do a lot of workshops. Uh, we have. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, can you tell us about that? And, and, uh, you know, where can we, where can people find more information about these? Currently, uh, because we're touring so much and we have kids, uh, we don't have any regular classes. Um, there are people in various cities that we might recommend when people approach us saying doing a workshop. Um, but we do uh, one-offs and we've, uh, we've taught for a week in a place or, three, mm-hmm. you know, a three-day weekend workshop. Um, it's, tra- it's uh, most of it work helping uh, performers and non-performers uh, overcome fears of self-expression, um, noticing the inner critic that you have and kind of befriending it and being able to choose rather than have your behavior sequestered in. I don't know if that's the right word, but like cl- clambered in. Uh, mm-hmm. I understand. Compromise. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it, it's, it's really fostering a, an elation of spirit and your conception and giving you to find a new version of yourself. And it's a very physical uh, training. Um, oh. So if it's if it's only an hour or two, uh, it, you know, we try to give you the experience. Um, but the longer you can invest yourself in the training, the more your body can modify. Because uh, it's like 
even even something as simple as laughter, if you practice, it becomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the yeah. same thing with emotional extension, like sadness, joy, fear, uh, all these anger, <laughs> anger, yeah. um, anger, anger. Come on, anger. Say it. Say it. The more <laughs> the more you uh, give your body the experience of uh, these emotions and extending that emotion, the easier it is for those emotions to happen on impulse sure. and in an extended way. So when we're uh, in th- uh, in a show and one of us experienced disgust, say, uh, you'll be able to see it from the back row because it won't mm-hmm. just be like this sneer on my lip. It'll be my whole body will be in it and it will look <laughs> and it will be honest. Uh, and so there's kind of elements of that, the physical uh, elements to it. Um, but, but, you know, going to our website, jamesandjamesy.com, uh, you can either learn about workshops there or get in touch with us uh, asking us to run a workshop. Uh, we yeah. like hearing from people and what they're interested in. But I, I think that sounds really beautiful and genuine, and it sounds like you guys are really interested in, in just helping people be more confident. And I love that. And and I, I hope that maybe at some point we can do a little workshop with you guys in Orlando. Oh, that'd be lovely. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. One of the uh, – one of the the things that I find so interesting about your perform your performances, sorry, um, is that I I feel like you guys were each other's imaginary friend when you were <laughs> kids. Would you agree? Um, I'd say, well, I, I would disagree that as imaginary friends as kids, but I would say as adults, mm. James and Jamesy that you see on stage is the inverse of Aaron and I in real life. So when we started, okay. uh, when we started performing, uh, Aaron comes to my place, and I am the one. Jamesy is the one who is very particular about how the doors opened, where he sits, how he places the teacups. And in real life, when Alistair, me, uh, co- goes over to Aaron's place, it is Aaron who is the one who is particular about where I put my shoes and what I drink and where I put my glass. Uh, if I unplug something, I better plug it back in. <laughs> uh, and so the James and James characters was a chance for me to play Aaron's idiosyncrasies oh. uh, back to himself. That so he got to, he got a taste of his own medicine. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. Uh, having seen your shows, I can uh, recall a particular exchange where um, Aaron came to the door and you forgot to knock for example. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Alistair came over, opened the door and oh, was like, like, wait a minute. You didn't quite do it right. Like, do you mind going out and doing it this way? <laughs> Stop singing. Stop singing. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you guys if you could do a, a little exchange for us here. Oh, um, if it's, an exchange if it's, for what? Um, just a conversation <laughs> that James and Jamesy would have. Oh, uh, conversation. All right. Jamesy, are you actually, James, are you actually on this telephone conversation? Uh, well, I'm in it. I don't see you in it. All I see is the lines going up and down. Well, no, I'm. Trust me, I'm there. That's not my heartbeat. That's my voice. It's your. Did you say your heartbeat? I can yes. feel it. I can feel your heart beating, James. <laughs> I can see it in a visual sense. <laughs> where did you oh. put that stethoscope? <laughs> oh gosh, where is it? Um, yes. So I don't know. I mean, <laughs> no, that's that's fantastic. That's that's. Amazing. It just all occurred to me as why a lot of the reviews I read when I was doing some research and stuff yesterday mentioned British and I'm like, wait, they're from Canada. And now I, I now I get it. Columbia. <laughs> Until this year, I thought you guys were from the UK. 
actually. So, well, uh, <laughs> I actually, I, I moved, I came to Canada when I was 10. Okay. Um, yeah. And I, I, left, I left for the UK a week before that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that doesn't land as a joke, does it? <laughs> it really. It did. I'll, I'll work on the delivery of that. I wanted that for a week, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just have a couple of more things yeah, for you guys. Um, I don't want to keep you forever. Uh, what do you have to say, people, uh, to people who might have kind of a theater stigma that theater is inaccessible to them? I was one of those people. My uh, love for Fringe only came about because I decided to visit the Orlando Museum of Art on the day that they happened to be doing a fringe preview. Wow. And it was actually a, a touring, uh, d- uh, musical theater group called Phantasmagoria. Hmm. Okay. That, yeah. I know the group. Yeah. yeah. That I went and saw first and we had done some research and found some reviews. And then my girlfriend and I went and saw high tea and oh. absolutely fell in love with you guys. So it's an accessible thing. Um, can, can you, you know, maybe help people out there who think yeah, sure. you know, no, I, I think if any city uh if the city you're living in has a fringe festival the fringe festival is an amazing platform to make theater accessible it it brings in audience uh, brings in performers from around uh, the country and internationally and puts on sh- and each of these performers put on their shows for very reasonable prices normally between 10 and 15 dollars so it lowers the risk to someone who's skeptical about theater. Yeah, people think of <laughs> with movies you can watch a bad movie, but it doesn't make people hate movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, with theater, if you some people go to a theater show and they go, oh, "That show sucked. I hate theater." Yeah, and you're like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Theater is a whole genre. You wouldn't what? just discount movies because you don't like one movie." Um, so with with Fringe, the shows are short. They're like sixty minutes normally. They're cheap. Uh, and so you can take in a couple of, of the shows and sort of, uh, get a bit more, sort of dip your toes in a little bit more than, than you would with less risk of like paying 45 bucks to go see Mamma Mia or something like that. Yeah. You're, go ahead. I'd say a lot of the stigma comes from, uh, high school Shakespeare teacher who, you know, insists that the kids read this play and a lot of the kids don't understand what they're reading. Uh, and then they see the play and they don't really know what's going on. And the teacher is saying, this is the best thing. This is amazing theater. And they're just not connecting with it because of language and era. Um, you know, not to say that kids don't connect with it, but it's uh, perhaps not a majority. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a big part of what theater is to kids as they become adults. And so that's a big thing that keeps them away. And I, one thing that I love to do is find ways to bring people in. I would say that our show, when we're flyering uh, or, or finding you know promotional avenues and, and encounter people who say, "Oh, I don't like theater," mm-hmm. uh, is oh, I, I love that conversation because then it's like, a, "What are you interested in?" And you know, if they can see that they connect with us and that we're passionate, of, if they are left the com- if they leave the conversation thinking, "Oh, that actually could be fun," um, it's like a win for theater. Uh, and mm-hmm. then, you know, they might come and have a wonderful time. And so I, what's something that we say sometimes at the end of a show when we remember to, to encourage the people in the audience to bring someone who's never been to the fringe or to somebody who doesn't go to theater. 
so that it can, you know, so they can sample it. Yeah. And I actually did this time. And uh, I, <laughs> the, the question that came from my girlfriend and her sister, her sister being the one that we introduced to James and Jamesy this time was, um, do you guys plan on expanding on two for tea slash high tea? Because at the end of two for tea, they were both completely in tears. Oh, wow. Because it was such a beautiful moment. You guys talked about friendship earlier, and I think it was the ultimate expression of friendship at the end of Two for Tea. Of course, mm. Greg and Rob don't know what I'm talking about, and I don't want to spoil it. But will we see another incarnation of James and Jamesy in that universe? Uh, I would say we, we created uh, a show that was a. Uh, after two for tea called high tea, which is different than the show you saw called high tea. Um, oh, we, we started what? high tea, um, from where two for tea and because of where we ended, we struggled to find ways for the characters to play with each other because they were in very different places. Yes. You could say that. Yes. Um, and so after realizing that we don't know how to make this show work, we started high tea again hmm. and we created a totally different show. We scrapped High T version one and then made High T version two, two, which is what became High T, <laughs> um, which we have but, since expanded. Okay. I, I think you know if if you're talking about uh, will you ever see James and Jamesy in that universe? Meaning, will James ever come to Jamesy's house for a tea party and go on another adventure? Yes. Um, it, it may happen. I okay. don't. I don't. It's since we've since we started. Are those tea shows? Um, we've been just continuously exploring our craft, you know, within the dark, which was quite different. And my show Inc is quite different. And Aaron's working on a solo show now called Dandelion. Um, I think it's interesting for us to challenge ourselves theatrically in new arenas. We have ideas that could of places that James and Jamesy could go in ter- in the tea universe, but but beyond creating another episode for the audience's enjoyment and certainly it would be fun to play, but, but I don't know if it would have the same theatrical payoff personally as, okay. as trying something totally new. Like we have the idea of a new show where, where we all, where the two of us or maybe even more people uh, wake up from coffins on stage. And it's this sort of question about the, the moment of death or something like that. Oh, okay. And, uh, and I think those, those sorts of questions are are more exciting to me than than going back in the James and Jamesy world. Although we do have a another show called Oh Christmas Tea, which is which uh, I have not seen, which you have not seen, which which it does borrow heavily from the Two for Tea and High Teas, which you have seen, but also adds in a, a whole Christmas lens and and questions what is Christmas really about. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's it's a place that we've put a lot of our energy in the last few years. Actually, um, we, on the on the west coast, we've been touring that show uh, around Christmas time, mm-hmm. and uh, we're this year we're going to be putting in an intermission finally because uh, nope. the show has grown that much. Uh, and just to well, just to toot its own horn a little bit, I <laughs> I like that there's three different kinds of snow in the show. Uh, <laughs> we've really raised the production value of our work because outside of the fringe. Uh, it's easier to do that. So guys, that brings us to our question of the week. And we are joined by Aaron Malkin and Alistair Knowles from James and Jamesy. Guys, I'm going to drop this one on you. Give us your top five giant monster movies. Oh, 
Uh, Sharknado. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> Giant monster. Um, oh, when I was a kid, I saw the abyss, which was awesome. But it's not really a monster. It's also um, not giant. We're looking big, like Godzilla, uh, King Kong-ish type guy. the Killer Tomato. That is a giant yes, monster movie. That is a Absolutely. giant monster, yes. BFG. Okay. BFG, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> a giant monster movie. Uh, well, I do like Jaws. I mean, I'm not a, an entirely a shark super fiend, but... but so I, we've I, been I, arguing about that one if it's actually a giant monster yeah, movie or just a shark. Maybe when I was about to do a triathlon where I was going to be swimming off the coast of South Africa at a place called Shark Rock. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. have great white shark. So I watched that Ooh. movie immediately before taking going on a flight to do that triathlon. That's why I don't exercise right there. <laughs> oh, that's why? Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, not an answer to the question, but now that I have a kid, I'm uh, a yeah. predator that I've not Well, there is a movie about them called is Meg. The which, Meg. Yeah. Yeah. The Meg, yeah. That was yeah. out last summer. Is it uh, like science fiction or is it uh, doc- science uh, fiction? It's sci-fi. <laughs> ten, year, ten years in the future type science fiction. You know. Okay, cool. We'll go with that if you want. I do. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for thanks for having us on your, your podcast. Thank you for joining Thank us. Thank you. Uh, so what do you guys have next, just to, to close out here? We're, I'm in London, Ontario, going to Montreal next, or Montreal this week with my show, Inc. Uh, and then, Aaron, you head off to Toronto to do Dandelion, correct? Yeah, I'm working on uh, my second solo show, and it hasn't seen the stage yet. It'll open in Toronto in just under four weeks. Oh, that's exciting. And then I'll be doing that across awesome. Canada, and then hopefully... Well, we'd like to thank... Alistair and Aaron for coming on to the show and letting us know a little bit more about James and Jamesy and Fringe. Uh, If you'd like to learn more about them, you can always check them out on jamesandjamesy.com. Thank you again, guys. (laughs) 